Hello, I'm Vanina Rasmus. Welcome to another COVID-19 special edition of the Weekly Wrap podcast brought to you by Farmers Weekly. In the special edition podcast, Sabrina Dean, one of our journalists, will be conducting interviews with prominent leaders in the agriculture and agribusiness sector to really get a sense of how the coronavirus and related restrictions are affecting the various farming industries and food supply chains locally and globally. I will also share a quick update on news articles featured on our website. During this lockdown period, we are increasing the amount of news articles published to ensure that our regular followers can stay up to date with everything happening in the local and global farming sectors. For this episode, Sabrina speaks to AgriSA's Yanni de Villiers. Hello, Denine, and hello to our listeners. Although farming and food production services are expected to continue during lockdown, this must happen in accordance with health and safety requirements in terms of regulations published by government. AgriSA's policy head of the Labor and Development Center of Excellence, Yanni de Villiers, is on the line, and we're going to have a chat to her a little bit more about aspects such as farm worker safety regulations, transport permits, and then other official requirements. Also going to be asking Yanni a little bit more about feedback on the, the first week of lockdown, challenges that may have been experienced, and then also priorities for the next few weeks. Uh, Yanni, welcome. Good to hear that you are still able to work during lockdown. Absolutely, Sabrina. I'm very fortunate and, and happy to be able to help during lockdown. So let's begin with um, what would you say are some of the important considerations regulatory processes required to ensure that food production and related services can continue? You know, I think the most important thing is to remember why we are doing what we are doing. The reason for this is because we have an outbreak of an illness that that has potentially devastating consequences for our country, and that's why all of us are in the situation where we're locked down. If you have that mindset and you remember why and you make all of your business decisions from that point of view, it almost makes it easier and more bearable to get through these times. Now, from what we've seen in terms of regulations, food production is essential. We cannot be without our farmers and farm workers. However, we also cannot have circumstances in workplaces where, unfortunately, due to the way that we have always been doing things, you have this virus being transmitted. So what the regulations have sought to do is to make sure that when we talk about essential businesses, essential services being provided, that the people in that business who are essential, that they are there, and when they are in the workplace, that they are sufficiently protected in terms of occupational health and safety and all of the different requirements with regard to health and safety in the farming sector, that that extends to transport of workers as well. So we've seen a very large move to regulate every aspect of business being done within the essential sector as essential businesses. There, unfortunately, is just no other way. It certainly is not business as usual currently. And I suppose, Yanni, um, one, one has to realize as well there's a human aspect to this. People are scared. People don't want to get sick. People don't know what the future holds. Yet at the same time, there is this aspect of having to still continue producing food, earning a living 
putting food on families' tables. So I assume the regulations that we have seen that do enable our farm workers to still be able to continue working are basically geared towards that. They're not draconian in those regards, but they do make sure that it is then safe for those people to be able to continue doing their work. Exactly, and I think that's a very fair summary of it as well. What we've been dealing with over the past week is sometimes the regulations have very odd practical implications once you start to apply them. But what we've also seen as, and, and honestly, I hope this is something we retain post this crisis, is that there is resilience in policy making all of a sudden. All of a sudden, we are able to say, listen, this particular rule you brought in has X, Y, Z practical implications that we are a little bit uncertain of as business, for instance, can you have a relook? And we've seen reissuing of regulations come out as a response to that. And I think that's why we must all just remember why we're doing what we're doing. Another thing is we now know who the people are who are carrying us through this crisis. And I'm fortunate enough to work with one of those sectors, namely the farming sector. So we owe an enormous debt of gratitude to farmers and farm workers. Was it not for our farming sector, our farmers and our farm workers? I don't know actually what we would have done. We are the most food secure country in the whole of Africa and we will remain that. I'm convinced of it. And the reason for that is that we have people who work exceptionally hard in our sector and who go to work every single day. When I said I was fortunate right at the beginning, my going to work entails coming downstairs from my bedroom to my lounge. That's it. I don't have to climb on any public transport. I don't have to be concerned for my safety when I go to work. This is not the situation with our farmers and our farm workers. It really isn't. And to bear in mind that when we work with people in this sector, to know that everybody is incredibly uncertain. It is not an easy time. And despite all of those challenges, the sector is still producing. I'm very, very proud to be associated with agriculture. Most definitely a very, very important role being filled there. Um, and let's zoom in a little bit then and, and, and take a look at some of those more specifics around how essential services workers operate and are expected to operate and what is in place for them. I think there is an assumption out there that all the farm workers live on the farm in any case, so they don't need to worry about transport. But I think people tend to forget that the agriculture sector is also much, much broader than that. And as you mentioned, now we've seen amendments coming into play that have now allowed, for example, our informal food vendors, street hawkers, vegetable sellers mm -hmm. to be able to continue working if they have got a, a relevant permit. What are some of the other specific challenges, specific things that you've been hearing from the field, so to speak? We've actually made a list that we are going to be distributing to our members. We've been doing this right from the start to say that there are specific pointers in workplaces that you have to remember. It's not always nice to have them in a summary together. So what we've done is we've created workplace posters in nine official languages that we've distributed to the farming community, to all of our members, but it's gone wider than our membership as well, which I'm very happy about, which summarizes basic safety and hygiene tips for a workplace. Now, because we are in this situation, you actually have to make sure that your rules pertaining to personal hygiene, things like regular hand washing, things like if you are ill and if you if you are coughing and sneezing, don't come to work, take your sick leave 
you stay at home until you're better and then you come in. Things like that now physically have to be placed up in workplaces. So in case the Department of Labor pays you a visit during this time, they can see that you're taking this very seriously and that you're doing everything you can to make sure that your workers know exactly how to keep themselves healthy as well. In that case, for example, would this apply to a farmer on a farm out in the middle of the free state who's got workers involved in crop production? Should he have one of those posters, as an example, up in the warehouse where he houses the tractors? We highly recommend it because it reminds everybody what needs to be done. And that's one of the aspects that we are recommending. But what we've also seen farmers doing, and this is why I'm so proud to be part of the sector, because the things I'm telling you now is things that have been coming from our sector as well, to say that they make sure that they have hand-washing facilities for their workers. So in other words, running water and stuff, because that is still the most important aspect of fighting this virus, is making sure that people wash their hands regularly, that they have hand sanitizers, Sanitizers available with at least 60% alcohol content. They have these reminders of hygiene, as we've spoken about. But also, very importantly, that they've actually gone and done a risk assessment. And this is something that the directive in terms of the Compensation for Occupational Injuries and Diseases Act, there was a directive issued in terms of that act that said very specifically, you need to do a risk assessment as an employer and go and look at your workplace and say, Where actually do we fall in terms of risk? Now, agriculture as a whole is considered as low risk, obviously, if you look at that in comparison to, for instance, healthcare, which is our front line, which is people who are going to be treating people who have uh, COVID-19 infection. So we still regard it as low risk, but despite that, a responsible employer goes and checks that and makes sure that he doesn't actually have a situation that he wasn't aware of, of people traveling in and out, maybe to areas where there were people who were infected with the virus. It basically just has mitigations in place should an infection arise in the workplace. Now, thankfully, I don't have an instance of AgriSA membership where there has been an infection of workers on a farm. So I'm extremely thankful for and that's what we want to keep up. We do not want a situation where you have an outbreak on a farm. And I think part of this has to do with the fact that members are strict on hygiene and make sure that the workplace is not a place where you're going to pick up an infection like this. The last thing that I wanted to mention here before we talk about transport is also social distancing. It's a very hard thing, but it's something that has to be put in place within a workplace having a distance of at least a meter between employees to make sure that if someone is ill, because we also know that there are people who unfortunately carry this virus with no symptoms whatsoever, that they're still far apart enough that you don't have a situation where the virus can be transmitted. But of an onus there may be on our employers to create awareness, to educate a lesser skilled workforce possibly, or even a more skilled workforce on why this is important. Absolutely. There's a massive, massive responsibility on employers currently. That's not just agriculture. That's every single essential business people that are open currently. The thing is, if we are going to be irresponsible about this, we're going to be in lockdown for a very, very long time, or we're going to be faced with a situation where you have an uncontrolled spread of this illness, and then no lockdown is going to help in any event. So we have a choice. And as employers, I can tell you from the interactions that I've had over the lockdown, the consensus is everybody wants to do whatever they need to do to ensure that the aim of lockdown is reached, and that is to keep infection under control.
coming then to transport, it's been a very tricky issue in the cities, taxi operators negotiating with government about the capacity and all of those mm-hmm. kinds of issues, who gets transport. When it comes to farm workers, there are certain industries or certain sectors where you have your employees residing on the farms. There are others where you have workers traveling to the farm on a daily basis. There are other issues related to the transport of goods, for example, you know, harvest seasons are on the horizon. What do we need to know about that? Our advice has been in the first place that if you are reliant on people having to travel to your farm, provide that transport as an employer. It just at the end of the day, it removes the uncertainty that there was around public transport. Now, that being said, it's such a dynamic situation. The situation with taxis has changed twice or three times this week, just from day to day of, of, of what is being required and what will not be required. So what we found is producers who haven't had this in place have gotten this in place. Okay. And as a farmer, um, you are then allowed to apply to the relevant authorities for the, the relevant permits to be able to do this for your employees. Absolutely. And that's on our checklist as well to make sure that you have the relevant permit in place to be able to transport people. And just remember as well, in that case, your driver still needs to wear a mask that's also specified in the regulations. Now, we've had situations where you had employer-provided transport in place for many, many years, but now, obviously, with social distancing and the fact that you can only load up to 50%, I think it's either 50 or 60% of the license capacity, depending on the vehicle, we've actually had, and I've received photographs earlier in the week, of employers physically plotting out in the transport that they provided places for every single person to sit that has been measured to make sure that there's distance between people when they are traveling. Adding additional trips, for example, if it's necessary. I've also heard of a, of a producer in the north of the country who had to make 20 trips to make sure that he had all of his workers safely at the workplace in the morning. So yes, there's intense pressure on our producers and I'm proud to say that they are rising to the challenge. They really are. Okay, wonderful. Um, looking ahead, what do you foresee as some of our priorities in the coming weeks? Well, what we are prioritizing currently is to go and sit down and look physically at all these different occupational health and safety measures that employers are taking in agriculture as well as all of the other essential sectors and making a list of things that are there physically. Because what I can foresee, and please, this is just my opinion, is that we will probably have a gradual relaxing of the lockdown measures. So I don't foresee us having a date where on this day we are on full lockdown and the very next day it's as if it never happened. I don't foresee that happening. I do foresee that we will have a period in the future where we will still have stricter occupational health and safety measures in place. Not to say that everybody needs to wear a mask in the workplace, but that we still have these regular meetings on infection controls in our workplaces, that we are still very stringent on hygiene, and that we all have that, that it almost tapers off. And I honestly hope that we retain the good habits that is being enforced within workplaces now because of this virus. Fantastic. That is Yanni de Villiers. Uh, She's AgriSA's Policy Head of the Labor and Development Center of Excellence. Thank you so much, Yanni. Thank you. Thank you, Sabrina, and thank you to Yanni for speaking with us. And um, all the best 
to all the farmers who have to continue operating under these difficult circumstances. And from our side, thank you, especially to the farm workers. And please stay safe while you continue working on the farms. Before we sign off, just some stories up on the website focusing specifically on the impact of coronavirus on the local farming industry. So Northern Cape farmers are saying that the drought aid that was promised to farmers in this province earlier this year has ground to a sudden halt amid the lockdown, with government now all hands on deck to supply relief support to those affected by the pandemic. However, Nicole Janssen, president of Agri-Northern Cape, said that the province's farmers were now not only faced with the drought challenge, but also with additional challenges brought around by the COVID-19 outbreak. And then just one more news story to look at today. South African consumers must get ready to pay much more for their garlic. And this is as certain supply disruptions caused by lockdowns due to the COVID-19 pandemic across the world has slowed down the import of garlic into South Africa. South Africa importing the bulk of its local garlic consumption every year. And according to those involved in this industry, a couple of factors, including South Africa's own garlic harvest finishing a month earlier than expected, as well as Chinese garlic exports to South Africa being hampered by factories there having to close down due to COVID-19, has had an impact on local supply of garlic. And this has seen garlic trading for about double the average price, up now to about 120 rand per kilogram on the market. Thank you for listening. And remember to follow us on social media at Farmers Weekly SA. And that's on Twitter, Facebook, and on LinkedIn. And also go and check out all the latest news on our website, farmersweekly.ca.za. We are updating the website with news stories about how the pandemic is affecting agriculture. In our next special edition podcast, we will speak to Jakub Wistazen, CEO of the RSA Group, a fresh produce agent that operates on most of the major municipal markets in South Africa. And he will talk about how the pandemic has affected the local supply of fresh produce, um, both in terms of produce coming from farmers and then it being sold off into trade. In the meantime, stay safe and happy farming.